do we realize how wonderful God's children really are? Do we realize that their Father is Almighty God who spoke the world into existence? Yeah, that God. Do we realize who we're looking at and do we love them? February is Valentine's month and that's when we do nice things for people that we love this coming week, Valentine's Day, and maybe some of you have got Valentine's thoughts in mind, maybe a, a card, a special dinner or something like that. A young couple, they meet and they fall in love and they marry. But that's not the end. That's just the beginning. And over time, the couple learn to love each other and help each other more and more throughout the years of their marriage. And even after 50 years of marriage, even after so long being married, there's still room for love to grow. And it ought to. It should. The Apostle Peter spent three amazing years with the Lord Jesus Christ. And he grew he grew in faith, he grew in wisdom, and he grew in love. And you just might not think there was any possible way that Peter could grow anymore. And yet there was, as this passage indicates. Now this year we're talking about upgrading. We're talking about upgrading things in our church. We want to upgrade to uh, very comfortable chairs that interlock together. They're actually more comfortable than the pews, and that means that we can allow more people to come to church. That's good. That's a good upgrade. We want to upgrade our piano. It's a great piano, but more for home use. We need a piano that's more a conservatory grade, that's really used to really getting a lot of uh, use on it. And uh, this one, we have to keep bringing in the piano tuner and the piano fixer and so on. So we'd like to make the, the leap to, to do that. And we can. It's something we can do. We want to upgrade our uh, usher's jackets. Those jackets are years old and don't fit them anymore. We want to upgrade our hymn books as well. But most important, we want to upgrade our hearts and lives for Jesus this year. And we're looking at different ways that we can do that. Today we have a very interesting story out of the life of the Apostle Peter. And learning... The lesson from Peter, we might say that it's time for us to upgrade our love life for Jesus, our love for Jesus. Folks, there is so much in this little passage. There are so many things we could say. All about the special words that Jesus and Peter used. We could even talk about the miraculous catch of fish. You know, there was perhaps 900 pounds worth of fish that the Lord let them catch miraculously. There's so much we could say, but today we want to consider upgrading our love life for the Lord Jesus. And the truth is, you and I will never, ever, ever regret upgrading our love for Jesus throughout all eternity. We'll never regret it. So I think it's a very good subject for us today. Let's have a word of prayer first. Heavenly Father, we bow in your presence, thanking you again for how, how you've blessed our hearts so far in this service. Thank you for the marvelous World Nation Sunday that we could celebrate once again. Thank you for the great singing, special music and choir and congregational singing. We thank you, Father, for everyone gathered today. Now we ask that you would touch our hearts, 
and help us and give us the wisdom and faith to be able to upgrade our love for our Savior. Show us in practical ways how we can do that. Glorify yourself in Jesus' name we ask. Amen. All right. So if we're talking about upgrading our love for Jesus, what are some of the ways? What does that involve? What does that mean to upgrade your your love for Jesus? What is that all about? Well, I've got two or three points for you today I'd like to share. Um, Number one, if we're going to upgrade our love for Jesus, then listen carefully, we better upgrade our love for His book. If we're going to upgrade our love for Jesus, then we have to upgrade our love for His book. Now in John chapter 21, if you would look at this please, I want you to see it. It's there if you read in between the lines a bit. But in verses 15, 16, and 17, you'll see that they've dined. Jonas, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Then look at the end of verse 15. Feed my lambs. And again in verse 16, Uh, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Yep, okay. Feed my sheep. Do you see that in verse 16? Go to verse 17. Go to the end of verse 17. Feed my sheep. Now, Jesus told Peter that if he loved him, that's what Jesus said, lovest thou me? Do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter said, yes, I love you. Well, if Peter loved Jesus, then he was supposed to feed the lambs and the sheep. Feed the lambs and the sheep. And what does that mean? That is a reference to teaching the Word of God. Feeding God's people with God's Word, the book, the Bible. You see, God wrote a book. He wrote one book, and it's called the Bible. And it has everything in there we could possibly use on earth. Someone took the Bible and B-I-B-L-E and they made an acronym out of it. B-I-B-L-E, Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth. B-I-B-L-E, it makes a lot of sense. Wish I had invented that. I mean, that's a good one, I think. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth forth out of the mouth of God. The Apostle Peter said, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word, that ye may grow thereby. It's a reference to the Bible. Bible teaching, Bible reading, Bible learning. Listen, Satan's desire is for everyone everywhere to ignore the Bible. Satan does not want you and I reading our Bibles. Satan says, Don't read that Bible. Don't read that book. For a long time, Satan has been trying to discredit the Bible and disprove the Bible and make people rely on everything else except the Bible. And yet the Bible is the source of truth given to us by God Almighty. The truth is, as a Christian, you can only grow by using the Bible. That's the only way you and I can grow. Romans 10.17 So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Psalm 119 verse 11 Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, 
that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. It all goes back to the Bible. And Satan doesn't want you or I reading the Bible. Has Satan had his way in your life at all? In this matter of Bible reading? Has Satan taken the Bible out of your day, out of your week, out of your life? You know, historically the Bible has been held in the highest esteem by many of the world's great men and women. Presidents, prime ministers, monarchs, scholars, scientists, philosophers, and many others. I'm going to give you an excerpt. And what I'm about to tell you is a little of what they have said about the Bible. Now, we may not agree with everything these people did in life, but we all agree that they saw extreme benefit in the Bible. Number one, the brilliant German scholar and philosopher Immanuel Kant said these words, The existence of the Bible as a book for the people is the greatest benefit which the human race has ever experienced. Every attempt to belittle it is a crime against humanity. Sir Francis Bacon was known as the father of the scientific method, and he wrote these words. There are two books laid before us to study, to prevent our falling into error. The first book is the book of Scriptures, which reveal to us the will of God. The second book is the book of the world around us, which express His power. Werner von Braun is regarded as the father of the American space program, and he wrote these words, In this age of space flight, when we use the modern tools of science to advance into new regions of human activity, the Bible, this grandiose, stirring history of the gradual revelation and unfolding of the moral law, remains in every way an up-to-date book. John Locke was a noted English philosopher. He wrote, The Bible is one of the greatest blessings bestowed by God on the children of men. It has God for its author, salvation for its end, the truth without any mixture for its matter. It is all pure, all sincere, nothing too much, nothing wanting. Several American presidents have affirmed their confidence in the Bible. President Abraham Lincoln said, I believe the Bible is the best book God has ever given to man. All the good from the Savior of the world is communicated to us through this book. President John Quincy Adams said, So great is my veneration of the Bible that the earlier my children begin to read it, the more confident will be my hope that they will prove useful citizens of their country. And finally, William Gladstone was one of the most famous 19th century British prime ministers. And he said, I have known 95 of the world's great men in my lifetime. And of these, 87 were followers of the Bible. The truth is, to love Jesus is to love His book. You cannot separate the two. The Bible contains the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, and the happiness of believers. 
Its doctrines are holy. Its precepts are binding. Its histories are true. And its decisions are immutable. Read it to be wise. Believe it to be safe. And practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you. Food to support you. And comfort you. And cheer you. It is the traveler's map. The pilgrim's staff. The pilot's compass. The soldier's sword. And the Christian's character. Here, paradise is restored. Heaven opened. And the gates of hell disclosed. Christ is its grand object. Our good is its design. And the glory of God is its end. It should fill the memory, rule the heart, and guide the feet. Read it slowly, frequently, and prayerfully. It is given you in life and will be opened in the judgment and will be remembered forever. It involves the highest responsibility. It will reward the greatest labor and it will condemn all who trifle with its sacred contents. I wish I had written that. I'd just quote that for you. Therefore, I say unto you, upgrade your love for God's Word. Make it a definite part of your daily habit and routine. Take time to read the Bible every day. Don't let the devil win. He's fighting you. Learn to let God's Word speak to your heart and mind and comfort you. Let it be God's daily love letter to you. You open the Bible and it's God saying, I love you. And here's what I want you to know. This book, the Bible, someone said, this book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. Again, I wish I'd come up with that one. So, number one, if we are going to upgrade our love for Jesus, we need to upgrade our love for His book, the Bible. Number two, if we are going to upgrade our love for Jesus, then we need to upgrade our love for His bride. His bride. Now, I'd like to direct your attention back to John 21. And look in verse 15. And we'll go down to the end of verse 15. Feed my... What's that word? Say it out loud. Lambs. All right, go down to the end of verse 16. Feed my, what is it? Sheep. And the end of verse 17, feed my, what? Sheep. Who was Peter to teach the Bible to? Well, Jesus told Peter to feed his lambs and feed his sheep. Who are those? Well, those are his people. Jesus was saying, teach the Bible to my people. His people. We call them the church. The Bible calls it the bride. The church is known in the Bible as the bride of Christ. If you're a reader of the Bible, you would know that. Now Ephesians chapter 5 verse 25 says, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. In John 3.29 it says, He that hath the bride, that's the church, is the bridegroom. That's Jesus. Revelation 22.17 is one of the last verses in the entire Bible. And you have the Spirit and the bride. That's the Holy Spirit and the church. And they're giving this message. The Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. 
And let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. What's the water of life? That's the gospel that can help a man or woman come to know Christ as Savior and save their soul. Jesus loves all of his people. Not some of them, all of them. And the command to Peter was to feed them. Jesus loves all of his bride. Now the question here is, do we? Do we love the bride of Jesus Christ? Do we look upon one another as just friends? Friends, friend, friend, brother, sister? Or do we actually see each other as Jesus sees us? Jesus died and gave his life and shed his blood on the cross for everyone that you see here today. Everyone here, the Lord Jesus, somehow had us in mind. And he shed his blood for us. You're not just looking at friends when you look around. You're not just looking at, let's call them spiritual brothers and sisters. You're not just looking at, at, at that. What you're looking at are the beloved children of Almighty God. The beloved children of God. Children so important, so precious, that God Almighty gave His only begotten Son, Jesus, to die for them and to pay what they owe in hell because of their sin. So that God could redeem them to be His beloved children. And here on earth they come together, and what are, are they called? They're called the church. And they are the most important people on the earth. The most important people on the earth are God's children. It's a well-known fact that many celebrities go out in public dressed in disguise so that no one will recognize them. That's a well-known fact. Joshua Bell happens to be probably the world's greatest violinist. At least one of them, anyhow. Joshua Bell's annual income is over $16 million a year U.S. A few years ago, Joshua Bell went to Washington, D.C. with his $3 million Stradivarius violin. And he stood and played to a sold-out crowd. Thousands of people were there. They stood to their feet with great ovation. The next day, as a publicity stunt, Joshua Bell went to a subway station in Washington, D.C. during rush hour with his $3 million Stradivarius violin. And during rush hour, as thousands of people walked by, he stood there with his violin case open and played on his violin the pieces that he played the night before to a sold-out crowd. Thousands of people walked by watching, seeing, listening. Some stopped for a few seconds and moved on. Out of thousands of people, within the hour that he played, six people put some money in his violin case. $32 in total. Finally, near the end of his 45-minute or one-hour performance, one lady was standing there. And when he finished, she walked up to him and said, You're Joshua Bell. I was at your concert last night. You're wonderful. Out of the thousands and thousands of people that walked past Joshua Bell, the world's most famous violinist, one lady recognized him. No one else had the foggiest idea who this guy was. 
you know what? You go out into the world, the workaday world. Thousands of people are going to walk past you and they won't realize that you're a child of Almighty God. They don't know. They haven't the foggiest idea that Jesus shed His blood and died for your sins and that you've received Him into your heart and you were born again into the family of God. Jesus said, ye must be born again if you have Jesus in your heart. You're a child of God Almighty and the world doesn't even know it. Now we could expect that blindness from a lost and dying world. They're so blind, they're caught up in their sin and in their world. They don't know the truth. We can expect that blindness from a lost world. But what about you and I who are saved and born again? We're part of God's family. Do we realize how wonderful God's children really are? Do we realize that their father is almighty God who spoke the world into existence. Yeah, that God. Do we realize who we're looking at and do we love them? The Lord Jesus said these words, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one for another. You see, if we are going to upgrade our love for the Lord Jesus Christ, then we had better start today and upgrade our love for His book, the Bible. And we had better start today and upgrade our love for His bride, the church. You know, when you come to church, you're not just coming to a religious meeting. You're coming to God's family. And Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst. That's why when you come to church, you feel something extra. That extra is the presence of Jesus. It's something you can't get online. You've got to be here. Upgrade your love for the church, the bride. Upgrade your love for the Bible, the book. And quickly, number three, if we want to upgrade our love for Jesus, then we have got to upgrade our love for lost people. Yeah, the people who walk by and don't realize that we're a family of God. The lost people. The bride of Christ is made up of saved people. But these saved people, once upon a time, were lost people who heard the gospel, repented of their sin, opened their heart to receive Jesus, and they got born again. They've had that born again experience. They have Jesus in their heart. I've said this before, I'll say it again. If I were to come and live in your home, You'd know about it pretty quick, wouldn't you? Chances are you'd say, oh, that Pastor White, he's living in our house, isn't he? Yeah, how can you tell? Well, who else drinks cod liver oil? 
Oh, there's a bottle of it in our fridge. What's that doing in there? Who put that there? Hmm. And there'd be a few other things too. You'd say, oh, Pastor White's living here, isn't he? Yeah. And if Jesus is living in your heart, there's going to be evidence. There's going to be new desires, new love. There's also going to be new awareness of sin. Oof, I didn't know that was a sin. Oh, I'll get a victory over that. There's going to be a new vision, a new hope, a new assurance that if anything ever happened to you, if you ever died, you'd open your eyes in heaven. You just know that. That's part of being born again. But the bride of Christ is made up of people who once were lost, but now are saved. And there are still more people yet to come. The Apostle Paul wrote, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus is come into the world to save sinners. And then Paul added the words, Of whom I am chief. Paul considered himself the chief of the sinners. And that Jesus came and died for him to save him. And there on the road to Damascus, if you've read the book of Acts, there on the road to Damascus is where the Apostle Paul met with Jesus. Repented of his sins and was saved. But he was once lost. What does it mean to be lost? What does that mean? It means that this world means more to you than God's world. It means that this world is more in control of your life than Jesus is in control of your life. That's what it means. To be lost means that you have a head knowledge of Jesus, but you don't really know who Jesus is because you've never met Him. Just like the Apostle Paul. He had a head knowledge of Jesus, but he had never met Him until that fateful day on the road to Damascus. Jesus met Him right there. Fell off His horse. Who art thou, Lord? I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. What does it mean to be lost? It means you've never experienced the joy of having God forgive your sins. What does it mean to be lost? It means that you can only hope, I hope, I hope, that when I die I go to heaven. You can only hope rather than really knowing for sure, for sure. How can anyone know for sure? Well, the Bible tells us we can know. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that ye have eternal life. People who are born again, they know that heaven's their home. They know that if anything happened to them, they'd open their eyes in heaven. Hmm. Jesus came and died for sinners everywhere. We know that because of the Bible. John 3.16, For God... Say it with me if you know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the promise of Almighty God. There are lost people all around us. And the gospel is actually hidden they can't see it. It's hidden from them. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid from them that are lost. And folks, our job is to unveil the gospel and help people to see how to be saved. Help them to understand what personal sin is and how it's cut us off from God 
And if we don't do something about it, we're going to die one day and open our eyes in hell, not heaven. The glorious gospel is all about how God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, into the earth to die on the cross for your sin and my sin. I don't know how He did it. He's God. He can do things we can't. And there on the cross, He shed His precious blood. That was the payment He made. And He had you in mind by name. He died and was buried and rose again the third day. Death couldn't keep God in the grave. He rose the third day. He's alive. Hallelujah. He's in heaven praying for us and one day He's coming back. Boy, there's a lot of weird things happening in the world today if you watch the news. If you're a newsaholic, you know more than I do. But you know the world is getting to be a weird place. Scary place too. Sort of like what the Bible says the world is going to be like before Jesus comes back. Kind of makes you think that He could come back any day now. And you know what? He could. Our job is to unveil the gospel and make it known to as many people as we possibly can. We have faithful people who come and help us put gospel literature in the mailboxes. People open their mailbox and they take out this little gospel piece of paper here and it tells them if they go to this website, they can learn how to get their prayers answered and how to have a relationship with God. And so far, we've seen 1,212 hits on the website. People that have actually watched a video. 1,212. Now that's good. We can't make people get saved. We say, here's the Savior. Would you like the Savior? And they say yes or they say no. But our job is to tell people how Jesus can save them from sin. So if we are going to upgrade our love for Jesus, then we must start loving lost people. Loving lost people will mean that we will also love the missionaries who go around the world on our behalf and take the gospel to lost people. We're going to love those missionaries. Loving the lost means that we're not going to forget about the missionaries. We're going to pray for them daily. By the way, I sent out a broadcast to all of our missionaries telling them you've all been adopted by people in our church. And they're going to email you and introduce themselves and tell you that they're praying for you. I've sent it out to 108 missionaries. And I've gotten most of them have returned. And they said, that's wonderful. It's fantastic. We're waiting to hear who's going to email us. Now, that's been a couple weeks. I'm having... Missionaries emailing me saying, we haven't heard yet. We haven't heard from anyone in your church. Now, I don't want to embarrass you, but if you've adopted a missionary, you promise God you'd pray for them and email them. So would you do that today? Make a little note. Take your pen, put a little mark on your hand, and say, what's that? Oh yeah, I'm supposed to email my missionary. Do something. Something, so you don't forget. Email your missionary. They are waiting to get an email from you. But you see, loving the lost means you're going to love the missionaries. You're going to pray for them, and you're going to give a little extra to support them. You're not going to take your missions money down to McDonald's and buy Big Macs to feed your family. You're going to remember, these are people that I've taken a sacred vow with God 
I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to support them. We need to learn to love the lost. Perhaps you have family or friends that are lost. I won't ask you to raise your hand, but do you have a a family member? Maybe mom or dad or brother or sister or son or daughter who's not yet born again. They're nice family members, but they don't have Jesus in their heart. They're not born again, which means they're not on their way to heaven, are they? You have family members that may be lost and on their way to hell. Do you love them? Do you really love your lost family members or friends? Because if you love the lost, you'll be praying for them every day that they'll come to Jesus for salvation. If you love the lost, then you will invite them to come to church. Or you'll invite them to watch church online. If you love the lost, then maybe you'll give them a Bible or a gospel literature. If you love the lost, then you'll show them how that they can know Jesus as their personal Savior. Back in 1929, Leon Henry Ellis was born. Leon grew up to become a godly pastor with a great love in his heart for missions, missionaries, seeing people get saved. In 1959, Leon published a hymn that cries out to every Christian man and woman on earth to come and help reach lost souls for Christ. Here's the hymn. Here's how it goes. Souls are crying. Men are dying. Won't you lead them to the cross? Go and find them. Help to win them. Win the lost at any cost. Go out and win. Rescue from sin. Days almost done. Low sinks the sun. Souls are crying. Men are dying. Win the lost at any cost. Well, it's time to close up this sermon. And a good question, perhaps, that we'll finish on is this. How can you upgrade your love for someone when you don't really know them? For example, a man who's not dating any girl cannot upgrade his love for his girlfriend because he doesn't even have a girlfriend yet. Doesn't that make sense? He has to get the girlfriend first before he can upgrade his love for her. And if you're here today and the Spirit of God is whispering to your heart that you don't have Jesus yet, then why not receive Him into your heart today? There's nothing holding you back. Being saved and knowing Jesus personally is all about repenting from sin 
and by faith receiving Jesus into your heart. Salvation has nothing to do with church membership. It has nothing to do with communion. It has nothing to do with baptism. Those things are all fine in their place, but they have nothing to do with being saved. Knowing Jesus is all about repenting of personal sin and opening your heart's door to receive Him. Jesus may be knocking on your heart's door today. So if there's anyone here today or watching online and you'd like to receive Jesus as your Savior and your best friend, why not now? Bow your head, close your eyes. Let's have some prayer together. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.